everyone to the smoking snake podcast episode 53 of um the only english language podcast all about brazilian football um i'm your host peter joined as always by enric we are back uh from a nice little break here uh we had fourth of july here in the u.s canada day across the river so it was a celebration of um uh uh, you know, of both our nations that are, are uh, close to uh, our region here. Um, Enric, did you have a nice holiday? Yeah, I did, Peter. It was a pretty nice time uh, here in U.S., of course, uh, celebrating the 4th of July. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Brazil matches, especially the Copa do Brazil. And I'm wearing a Palmeiras shirt right now to celebrate the results that Palmeiras have been getting recently. So this should be a fun episode. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 uh, you kind of, you didn't bury the lead there at all. We got Copa de Brazil, some crazy results there, uh, and we will get to that. But let's start with uh, not the rest of the route, but actually the Salasau. Some big news coming out this week. Um, the national team, um, the Salasau. We have not a. A confirmation, but everything is almost confirmed for Ancelotti coming in, not this year, but next year. But we kind of knew that already, and it's still a little bit in the air, but we did get some concrete uh, news about who's taking over the reins uh, in uh, in the interim. And it's going to be none other than Fernando Denise, coach of Fluminense. He got a lot of praise, high, high praise uh, earlier this year. He had flew flying um, and his style is, is absolutely, you know, tremendous at its, at its height. Um, it's just quintessential football and um, the whole concept of, I, I believe it's called relativism or sorry, relationism. Um, it's one of those two. Wow. Not really uh, uh recording late so my brain's not really on uh, firing on all cylinders but um Fernando Diniz uh, of course one of the most acclaimed coaches in all of Brazil Enric want to get your thoughts here he does get the year contract as we wait for Ancelotti um good signing or do you think it, we we could have went with someone a little more not geared to I mean Denise is kind of a, a big deal like do you think this is going to be bad for maybe Fluminense or maybe even for the team? Whereas you've got this guy with a very distinct style and Ancelotti maybe will want to change a lot of things after this year. Yeah, I think this is a very good decision taken by the Salasau team. Uh, of course, you have Ancelotti coming in, but you you need an actual coach until next year. And Fernando Diniz is the perfect man to do it. He was meant to be the main coach of the team. Uh, to replace Ancelotti, if I can say, but uh, that that was not the case. And to see him be the coach of both Fluminense and uh, Selecao, I think this is a very cool decision. It's very rare in football, and we're here to see how every, every match will proceed. Uh, hopefully, there won't be a Fluminense match and a Brazil match uh, in the very short time frame. But Gini is the the coach that every person talk about around the world uh, they say that he has such a different style of play his techniques vary from uh, other coaches especially in Europe and our friend Thomas Freitas he said that during his time when he was playing for Audax his coach was Mauricio Barbieri but the main guy of the, working with the club at that time was Fernando Geniz in 2013 I think and he, when you look at his managerial career he did not have a lot of experience mainly playing in Serie B, Serie C, or the Paulista clubs. But I think that in 2018, when he joined Atletico Paranaense, that's where he made the big jump and uh, sort of proved himself what he can do in Brazil for Fluminense, Sao Paulo, Santos, and Vasco before moving to Fluminense. So yeah, this will be a very cool decision. And hopefully 
the Salasau gets all the best results under this coach. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see it. And it'll be really interesting uh, to see what he can get out of this team is Salasau that's been really underperforming. Um, and speaking of underperforming, I mean, and, and, and not even taking a step away from Fernando Denise, let's just roll it right into the breast of the row. Uh, Sao Paulo defeating Fluminense. Um, Denise, of course, not behind the bench. I think he's still suspended, right, Enric? Uh, they had his uh, his lackey behind the bench. And again, another really poor, poor performance uh, from Fluminense against a team that's probably a, a pretty big rival uh, for them in kind of that upper mid table um, as they kind of start falling from the upper table to the upper mid uh, Fluminense, not in a good run of form. And it, it took until the 87th minute, but uh, Sao Paulo getting it done and, and bagging uh, all three points. Yeah. In Brazil, I think it's such a unique way of playing football that you can't really tell how a team can perform. It's a club uh, plays different when they were playing at home and they play also different when they play away it's like night and day, so much difference, so much comparisons to to see in the in the in the actual game. So, I think Fluminense coming in to Marumbi, they knew that this this was going to be a difficult task, and they did not score. And when you don't score, the other team, of course, the team that's expected to get the three points at home is Sao Paulo, and uh, it takes them eighty seven minutes to get that. Well, one and only goal which secures him the three points. Luciano scores. Uh, I think I watched the the goal. I think this was a very cool goal that he scored. But uh, after the full time whistle, it's funny to say that John Arias got in some arguments. I think he pushed one of Sao Paulo players, which was meaningless because the game was already over. Why receive a red card? So he gets sent off and doesn't play in the Fluminense's next match. So I think at the end of the day, it's a very good result for Sao Paulo and Fluminense. They shouldn't worry about it. Of course, they're playing a tough opponent. And again, as I said, playing away from home. Yeah, I, I kind of have the... I think they need to worry about it. They're not looking good. I, you know, I, I checked the uh, checked their last few matches in their last 12 in all competitions. They only have two wins, uh, four draws and six losses. All the momentum, all the steam from earlier this year has completely evaporated and um, they're in some really poor form. We thought they were going to get out of this rut uh, with the win last week and, and they're right back down. Um, so uh, Fluminense, I think there's a lot of questions here and, and we'll see what Denise can do and how he can adjust. Um, but I mean, even just looking at the stats for this game, I mean, uh, 21 shots for Sao Paulo, of course. Yeah. They're playing at home. Like you said, but only four uh, for Fluminense. Only half of those are on target. Um, it's it's just not a great showing, and and a team where they we've seen them dominate possession and then play with uh, without the ball and still win. Uh, they they can't you know they could win in any way uh, earlier in the season, and now it looks like they're kind of losing <laughs> any way you slice it this uh, in this section of the season. So. Uh, I think they have some some questions to be asked, but let's keep it moving, Enric. Uh, let's talk about their rival, Flamengo, beating up on Fortaleza. Um, Georgian uh, de Hascaeta, uh, masterclass, a goal and assist uh, for him. Uh, Gabby goal, notching another goal. Um, and Flamengo uh, getting the win over Fortaleza. Um, any thoughts on that one? This is exactly what you expect from Flamengo coming in, playing tough opponents, and especially at Maracanã, uh, all the supporters and even rivals know that they are highly capable of winning this match. So they did so against Fortaleza. Gabigol scored the first goal, which uh, made me really happy. Uh, I think it's been so long that he's been back in the score sheet. And while it was 1-0, uh, the if there was a penalty awarded to Fortaleza I think Mateus Cunha saved that one and he saved the, the whole club because I think if Fortaleza would have scored that the game would have been so much different in the second half so 
Going into the second, Dara Skaeta, as you said, probably man of the match, who assisted the goal to Gabi Gol, now gets one as well. And uh, Flamengo gets the three points. This was a very great result. And Flamengo is week by week making the jump up in the table as expected. Yeah, absolutely. Four wins out of their last five matches. Uh, we've talked about how they're reinforcing the squad. Luis um, Arujo uh, joining as well as Alan from Atletico. And also um, long rumored and finally confirmed uh, Augustin Rossi from Boca Juniors joins on a free transfer. Uh, the keeper should solve some of their issues. They've kind of been going between um, uh, a few keepers, including Santos, formerly of Atletico, of course. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, he should provide a little bit, uh, you know, more confidence and experience, uh, backing up, um, or even starting, uh, in the net. So, uh, great to see Flamengo reinforcing and, uh, let's, uh, let's move it up, uh, to the next match here. Enric Flamengo sit in third, the team right above them are Gremio. And I think you and I had them highly rated at the end of, at the beginning of the season. We definitely didn't have them um, rated this highly. Uh, Gremio beat Bahia away from home uh, two to one. Um, and man, they cut it really close. Uh, 95th minute winner. Um, and Gremio in some great form. Again, like Flamengo, four wins in their last five. Uh, they're playing some decent football, but getting some great results. Yeah, Franco Cristaldo uh, getting another goal. Uh, very nice seeing him back in the score sheet. Uh, Bahia gets one back, but that was not enough to keep the lead because uh, Gremio is a team that never gives up. And as you said, that 95th uh, minute winner was surreal. Uh, gets Gremio the, the three points needed. And I think they're doing amazing stuff of this competition as they did last year in Serie B where they finished just behind Cruzeiro. So very good game uh, by Gremio and a result which makes them more than happy. Of course, we're going to talk about this match after because it's the same opponents that played in the Copa do Brazil in the same stadium. Sort of a different result, but once again, Gremio is more than happy to make their way up the table, especially when you're competing against the likes of Palmeiras, Flamengo, and Botafogo in the league. Yeah, great result, and they're putting themselves in a great position to get back into Libertadores. Um, you mentioned Franco Cristaldo. We've brought him up um, here on the show a lot. He's a great player, and a player that, if you remember, was linked to Santos back in the day. Uh, they couldn't get the deal done. Um, Gremio picked him up for, I think, around 4 million euro, and he's been so good. Just checking the stats, though, you know, seven goals, eight assists uh, in 29 matches this year. Um, and it feels like he should have even more. I mean, that's great for a midfielder, um, but he scores these really crucial goals that, uh, that uh, you know, all, just seem to be really driving Gremio. And, of course, you've got Suarez and and some of these other players like Villasante and Ferreira that have really been doing a great job Um so uh, Gremio looking uh, to put themselves in uh, a great position and um, uh, their rivals, Internacional, uh, Crosstown rivals uh, are um, going, uh, you know, they've been hot and cold this <laughs> this year, but they are in more of a hot streak now. They draw with Cruzeiro, nil-nil. Um, uh you know, Mano Menezes, again, we've talked about his Houdini move. Um, and they split the points here with Cruzeiro, two sides that are looking to move up the table. Uh, kind of, I think we called them yo-yo sides in the past, up and down, up and down. Um, Enric, any thoughts on these two teams? Um, both kind of, you'd think, um, maybe could make a push for Libertadores football. Yeah, I think in Internacional, uh, although they tied this match, they're still in a very good run. I think they haven't lost the match since that Grenal Derby, which saw them lose 3-1 to Gremio uh, a couple weeks or months ago. So even here, uh, Cruzeiro came to this match after, I think, the Sao Paulo game where... 
they had zero shots on target, as our friend Marisa Desi was commentating. And they scored a goal due to Rafinha's own goal. So when you look at the stats here, they actually have nine shots, which is a huge difference compared to that last game. You wonder why? And the reason for that is because the goalkeeper or of International John, ex-Santos keeper, he was making some mistakes. I was watching the game and I think around the 10th minute mark, he passed the ball to the opponents twice. So there were two 1v1 situations that Cruzeiro could have scored and put International under huge threat uh, in as they're playing away from home. So uh, in the second half, uh, Cruzeiro got a red card with 20 minutes left to play. I thought Inter is surely getting the, the winner here, as they have done in recent weeks, uh, scoring a, a late penalty or uh, only goal uh, like in the likes of Cruzeiro or other opponents. So they did not have the opportunity to, to do it here, and they get a draw at home against a side that they're they're gonna regret for not beating. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you look a bit closer, you know the the red card came. Um, I believe in the 69th minute and just prior to that inter had swapped out both two of their most um uh most dangerous threats uh which would be Luis Adriano and Mauricio they're both coming out in the early 60s um and they had Arnie loss Alan Patricki their their number 10 who also is another huge driving force uh to injury I think earlier in the match so, you know, even even with that man up, they were missing a lot of their their driving forces and their, uh, you know, attack. And um, it's it's unfortunate they, they couldn't spring and get the win, but uh, they'll split the points. And uh, I guess they won't be too disappointed, um, although I'm sure they they view it as a, a missed opportunity there against, uh, um, you know, a 10 man Cruzeiro. Um all right, let's just keep it on moving, Enric. Uh, oh. Another really poor result here from Corinthians. Uh, our boy Fabian um, is probably just beside himself. And um, uh, you recently, Enric, put up the interview with Fabian on YouTube. Uh, so go check that out. Um, I'm sure the link is on Enric's Twitter. Uh, but it was a great interview with Fabian and uh, he's uh, Corinthians in English on, uh, on Twitter, but man, he and his team are in some serious trouble. Another loss uh, this time to fellow police side uh, Red Bull Braganchino, even as they are the hosts. Um, and it's Eduardo Sasha getting another goal here uh, for, for Red Bull Braganchino. Uh, Red Bull Braga are on fire and so is Sasha. Yeah, and Rebel Bragancino is also on fire, uh, scoring that one and only goal against a tough opponent. The goal was actually pretty incredible, the way how it got passed through the Corinthians defenders, if I remember correctly. And even Casio was left speechless and didn't know what to do as he saw the ball going in, uh, in this, throughout the game and even in the second half. There was not much urgency by a Corinthians team to want to equalize they had chances of course they could have scored i think roger gets uh hit the post around the 70th minute uh so many missed opportunities that couldn't could have seen them at least get a, a tie in the derby but rebel man they have been incredible this season uh they've been getting results when they played small teams they've been getting a draw at least or a win when playing the likes of santos palmeiras so many tough opponents they beat flamengo a couple of weeks ago so that just tells you that this is not a team that you should neglect and i think at the moment they're on from all the small teams if i can say in the brazil they're the one mostly on fire so We'll have to wait and see how they continue to progress uh, throughout the rest of the Brasileira. But if they continue to do what they're doing right now, they're going to see themselves in the top five or top six positions in the league. Yeah, absolutely. They've been so good. And I mean, you look at the standings and you would never guess that it's a big four in Sao Paulo. You'd probably think it's a big three, Sao Paulo, Palmeiras, and Red Bull, Bragancino, Santos and Corinthians. Horrific showing so far in the rest of their out. So um, 
And I just wanted to go ahead and, and, and uh, again, commend Eduardo Sasha. Um, kind of a controversial move from Santos to, to Atletico Monero. Um, gets moved off, uh, you know, in favor for some more high-profile strikers uh, from uh, Atletico Monero. Joins Red Bull Braganchino. Um, and he's been absolutely on fire. He's got 12 goals in 24 matches in the, um, uh, in all competitions. Um, and he's got six, uh, in 13 and two assists, uh, for Red Bull Braganchino in the Brasileiras Serie A this year. Um, and again, kind of like Chris Aldo, uh, he's scoring these goals, you know, consistently, but also really important goals at really important times. And, so, you know, you can see it here. He gives his team all three points. So crucial. They sit in fifth place. Man, Libertadores football would be amazing for them. I don't think they've ever had it. Of course, they've been to the final in uh, in uh, in um, Copa Sudamericana, but uh, um, not, uh, not Libertadores, if I am uh, not mistaken. So Red Bull Bargancino, absolutely on fire. Um, and uh, we'd like to, you know, see a lot more from them. All right. Uh, let's keep the ball rolling here. Huge Rio Derby. Uh, but despite the the recent exit from the coach, I don't think this one was ever in doubt. Botafogo 2, Vasco da Gama 0. Uh, no Luis Castro. No problem whatsoever. Botafogo still roll over Vasco. No issues. And really the only surprise here is that Chiquinho Suarez did not score. Yeah, did not score, but he assisted. So uh, he still contributed into Botafogo's victory, as you said. Uh, they're not having any problems right now, maybe because they're playing a very weak side in this competition. But uh, I think they might have problems in the future if they continue to not have if i can say a real coach but talking about coaches i think botafogo is in the verge of signing uh bruno lage uh former wolverhampton from premier league coach so let's see how the portuguese will do at the club hopefully even a better job as i said last week uh with the cariocas so in this match uh very happy to see botafogo get yet another win and they have now, I think, 11 wins and two losses, still no draws. Pretty incredible by this team. And if anybody would have told me that Botafogo would be in this position uh, coming in in 13 weeks of Brasileirao, I would have surely thought that that person was crazy and Botafogo did not deserve to be there. But they've proven to me how good they are. And I hope they win the league if they continue to perform like this. Yeah, and I, I think I, I yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. I don't wanna jinx it, I don't wanna do anything. But yeah, they're they're putting themselves in a great position. And yeah, like you said, the Bruno Lage um um rumors are out there and I think he's 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 getting closer and closer to confirming. So uh it's gonna be awesome um once they get a, a full time manager back. Um it's really unfortunate Luis Castro again chose to leave. Um yeah, I think we've said all there is to say about that subject. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate. But Botafogo, keep getting the job done. Love to see it. Vasco, of course, in some serious trouble. Uh, we're beating a dead horse here, but uh, Vasco, just everything going wrong. Uh, they're trying to salvage, salvage the season with some signings. Uh, they also need a new manager, um, and uh, we'll have to see. But uh, it's not looking good for Vasco. Um, one other note here that I uh, I just um, Botafogo closely linked with the player Matias Rojas coming over from Rossing uh, to Brazil, uh, but he did not end up joining Botafogo. Uh, ended up joining Corinthians. Um, not registered yet, I don't think to play, but he should be coming soon. So Botafogo loses losing out on uh, on that signing. Um, but we are in the midst of the Brazilian transfer window. It ends uh, August 2nd, I believe. So they might still um, uh, bring in some reinforcements before uh, before that date. Um, all right. Uh, so Botafogo get the win. Um, and their closest rivals, again, drop points. 
Palmaris 2, Atletico Paranaense 2. And Enric, let's contrast this with uh, another game, Atletico Monero 2, America Monero 2. So two games, both drawing 2-2, a lot of twos there. Uh, just I'll just serve that up to you, and, and you can start wherever you like. Well, I'll start with the fact that it was difficult to watch these games, both of them happening at the same time, 3 p.m. where we're located. And if you were a fan of Brasileira, you had to keep two screens separate from each other and watch the game simultaneously. So before the game started, I thought that Atletico Mineiro and Palmeiras are the favorites to win this game. And it seemed like this was the case for a long time. Uh, Atletico Mineiro scored a very early goal by Zaracho. And then Hulk uh, got the second after a mistake by America's players. Uh, I think Brasileirao play in English on Twitter posted a video of the players making this mistake as if it was a FIFA game. And that's exactly what it seemed like your controller dies and you just the the AI makes the wrong pass and passes the to the opponent and they score. So the exact scenario happened here. Atletico Mineiro sees themselves two goals up on the other side. Uh Palmeiras playing against uh, Atletico away from home. Um Enrique I think gets elbowed in the face around the third minute mark. Uh a penalty gets awarded to him and he misses it. He Barely hits the ball and passes this to Atletico Paranaense's keeper. I don't think Bento was there. Maybe he was, but I think he wasn't. So great to see uh, another goalkeeper perform well in matches like these. But it didn't take long for Enrique to get his first goal in the 22nd minute. He did so in the second half. Palmeiras got the second, just like Atletico Mineiro with Gabriel Menino. And at that point, you thought, okay, it's game over. Both of these teams are in the verge of winning and getting three points. But their opponents had different decisions to make. Uh, Vitor Bueno gets one back for Tatico Prenense from a penalty kick. And minutes later, uh, Vitor Roque, the man who has been scoring so much for uh, the Atletico Prenense team lately, gets the, the draw 2-2. Very incredible. And maybe thanks to Gustavo Garcia's red card, but Atletico seemed like a very, very good uh, team after the equalizer. And on the same way, uh, America playing in the derby, uh, again, as I said earlier, two goals down, Mastriani gets not one, but two goals. And he even had chance a great chance to get a third. So imagine a hat-trick coming back from a 2-0 uh, deficit and be being able to not only draw the game but maybe if they could have potentially won it would have been incredible for the side as they're currently fighting against relegation so great to see so many goals again from both of these teams and maybe it's good news that there was no winners uh, the great the big teams lose the opportunity to get closer to Botafogo, the smaller clubs uh, get farther away from the relegation zone. So end of the day, very cool games to watch in the Brasileiro. Yeah. And, and just, I want to build off that um, Atletico uh, comments there. Um, again, they're one of those yo-yo teams where you just never know what they're going to get. I mean, on their, uh, at their best, they can win against anyone on the continent. But then, you know, they they show up and, and they they cough up a 2-0 lead to a club that's essentially relegation fodder. So, again, you just don't know what you're going to get with them. Um, they, they have some soul-searching to do. And uh, if they're going to make a run in Brasileirao or Libertadores, especially given their opponent... Uh, which we'll get to in a little bit in Libertadores. But yeah, just uh, disappointing from them. And uh, America will be so happy with that point. But yeah, let's let's just move the conversation to Atletico Parnayense and Palmeiras. This is one of those games I think we're going to look back on uh, when Vitor Roque is leading Barcelona and Andrique is leading Real Madrid um, in some El Clásicos. Um, and everyone will know how great these players are. I think this kind of reminded me some of the photos, some of the videos, some, you know, the scoreline, obviously, um, 
to a lesser degree, this reminded me of that Ronaldinho Neymar game where you just have these two big names playing in Brazil. Okay. Yeah. Obviously the circumstances are much different there, but I just think it's going to be one of those games that people are going to look back on uh, and, and, and look at the highlights and, and see how, uh, how great these, these kids are. Um, and they're just so bright and it's just so fitting that both of them scored and like you said, had the, had the penalty that, um, that he didn't score, uh, no matter at all, uh, comes back and scores, you know, 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, whatever it was. Um, and of course, Victor Roque gets the equalizing goal to, to secure his team, the points. I mean, just, just great stuff, great entertainment. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just one of those games that was awesome to see. And even, even more cool to see was, uh, the interaction between Andriki and Victor Roque, you know, the mutual respect and they swap shirts at the end. Uh, it was just, it was just cool to see. And I, I really think that, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna look back on this game and, uh, and smile. Yeah, it definitely was Peter, uh, two huge talents that are, are going to play in Europe soon. And it's great to see players that will be opponents in the future, but united by the national team. And it's very cool that these youngsters are performing the way they are. Going back to that game that you said, Flamengo Santos, there was also a penalty taken in that match as well. I think Elano was the one who took it and uh, passed it to the goalkeeper's hands on the air. He was trying to chip it and the goalkeeper was ready for it. Same thing here. Enrique barely hits the ball, as I said before, and misses the opportunity. So again, very cool game. So many goals scored, just like that 4-5 or five win for Flamengo. And yeah, we're definitely going to look back to this match and remind the times where these talents played in the Brasilia row and we're going to be the ones saying, oh, I hope Enrique or I hope Vitoroke comes back to Brazil in the future. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll be a great, that'll be great to, to see, but of course we want to see them fly high uh, in Europe as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. Um, all right. So Palmeiras again, yeah, dropping the points, uh, pretty disappointing. Uh, that means they're down to fourth, uh, no wins in their last three. That's two losses and a draw in, uh, the Brasileiro for Palmeiras, um, Atletico again, inconsistent form, kind of middle of the pack right now, mid table. Um, and, uh, they'll be looking to build on that, that draw against the champions, um, to, uh, to kind of use it as a springboard and, and push into those Libertadores spots. Um, all right, Enric, we're getting to the last two fixtures here, Cuiaba and Santos, Cuiaba hosting, and you've said it many times, the home team here in Brazil especially can often just absolutely be the massive favorite. When you look at the names on paper, you think about the histories of the club, you think Santos surely stands a chance, but no. Nope, and especially not this year. Cuiaba, 3-0. Uh, former Palmeiras man, uh, Daverson, uh, adding insult to injury, uh, scoring on a wonderful goal, uh, the, the game winner. Um, and uh, just more depressing stuff uh, if you're a Santos fan. Yeah, and it's funny that before this game started, I think I uploaded a picture, or not a picture, just a text on Twitter saying that since the Copa Libertadores final against Lib or against Palmeiras in 2020, which was in January, Santos have only won eight away matches in the Brasilia Rao. And when you think about that, it's actually an insane stat. Three years and a half, and all you have away from home is eight wins. And it's all against teams like Avaí, Ceará, and well, I thought that maybe the boys can do it against Cuiabá as the ninth win. But uh, who was the number nine for Cuiabá, as you said? Uh, Daverson, and he gets the goal. <laughs> so the man who always does this thing, and I think he scored a couple weeks ago, two 1-0 wins for the, for the home team, and he did it again in the second half. I thought that the first goal, it left me sp- thinking wow why are we missing the opportunity to not even draw this game the second goal went in and i said 
this is impossible. This can't happen to lose 2-0 to the side. And then when the third one also went in, especially for the way it was scored, it was just unbelievable. Uh, João Paulo, I think, could have done much better. I think this shot was a finesse shot away from uh, outside of the box. And he had every possibility to save that one, but just couldn't do it. And at the end of the day, whether whether it's 1-0 or whether it's 10-0, it doesn't matter. You go home with no points and leave the club in a very difficult situation. I don't know what the club needs to do in the future, but things definitely have to change. Sateldo doesn't have a good relationship with the new uh, manager, Paulo Tura. He didn't play in this match as he did not against uh, Blooming uh, the week prior in the Copa Sudamericana. So things have to change and maybe Soteldo will be on the verge of leaving after he was just bought by Santos. And hopefully we continue and perform better in the future. I don't know what the deal will be, but yeah, these are, this is not the, the, the Santos that I'm used to see where, when I grew up. Yeah, you can say that again. Um, just some fast stats here. Uh, last 12 matches, six draws, six losses. We haven't won a game since May 14th, and that was against Vasco, one of the worst teams in the division. Uh, over that course here, we've been outscored uh, 6 to 16. So that's a negative uh, 10 goal differential uh just shocking stuff and um uh you know we're only we're only too fortunate that that there are so many other worse teams uh Vasco Corinthians that probably should be performing above uh what they are even Bahia you could say um and, and a team like Corachiba that we'll we'll get to in a second but have been just incredibly bad um Santos like you said not uh, just totally cursed season uh you've got the soteldo situation where there's issues uh attitude issues regarding the training and and uh he apparently had stormed out and and now we're on the verge maybe of 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 uh looking to move him on as soon as we've bought him i know the administrative uh body there is looking into trying to nullify the purchase agreement with tigres and um uh you know Soteldo's not happy of course he's making these cryptic Instagram posts it's just it's become a joke and if he does move I mean he's gonna move for peanuts on what we paid him for uh paid for him uh which is gonna be another huge financial strain which is already why we're not making big signings uh Dodo the the defender from Atletico Monero uh is likely coming back to Santos he was here on loan a few years ago good player uh, but you know, I was on the Globo site before here, and we've got the Angelo rumors to Chelsea. Macon uh, has gone to Vasco. Um, a few other players have have moved on from Santos, and there's just under there's no one under the uh, the coming in section on the Globo uh, transfer window rumor thing. So really dire times for Santos, and it's going to be a relegation fight. It's just the cold hard reality. Um, and looking at the table, I tweeted it, but are there four teams that are definitely worse? I don't know. So it's going to be a fight and, uh, it's going to be tooth and nail. And I think Paulo Tura is on the, the right track here. If you don't want to be here, you shouldn't be here. There's attitude issues. We know that there's mentality issues. We know that. Uh, so if he wants to clean house, that's okay by me, but, uh, let's maybe be a little bit less destructive. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. But then you look at the situation of Santos and you think that something ha has to change. Many people say that it's the president's fault but and it's a coach's fault, but it can't always be that because it's proven that the coaches change and the results don't change. And something has to change within the players. We see players all over, like as we talked about last week, in partying or right after getting a bad result against a side like Cuyaba and uh, these type of performances should not be neglected. The players need to be more responsible of their actions. And going back to that Soteldo situation, as you said earlier, I think 
many people were commenting in this in this situation the, the the fight if i can say he had with the coach and right after the game he went on social media and posted a message saying i can't talk about the situation now but i'll be able to talk about it soon and what this means to me is that he'll probably no longer be a santos player and even if the club want him he's gonna want to be out of the club and when that happens then he will say freely whatever he wants to say so be expecting a, a move from Sotaldo to Santos which I'm not really against because ever since he came back I think that first game against Sao Paulo in August which was the first match that we uh, did the podcast on he played incredibly just like the first game he played a couple of years ago or the matches in the Copa Libertadores with Santos and after that, I don't think it's been a great season. He's been injured often and maybe got an assist or two, but hasn't been hasn't been the same Soteldo that we're used to seeing uh, a long time ago for Santos. So if, if he goes away from the club, hopefully we find a necessary replacement. If not, maybe a very young player as we normally do. Yeah, it's just a shame that, you know, he had, I mean, we know he has attitude issues. You know, he likes to party. Uh, that was the issue at Tigres. Um, I'm not sure if that's the was the issue at Toronto as well. Um, but you know that that's that's unfortunately what uh, what the, his criticize his criticisms were at those places. And uh, you know, it was such a shame because he was such a good fit here. He seemed to. Uh, embrace the the kids the the um the tree boys that would that would uh uh you know watch the practice everyone seemed to love him uh he came back it was a good fit i thought um in the team and just as a personality but um yeah again listen if you don't want to be there i think you got to leave and if he doesn't want to be there if he just wants to sit on the beach um and, and go to the club and, and enjoy that sort of lifestyle then then yeah, this isn't for him. And you can see we're, you know, we're desperate right now. So, so yeah, if that's not, uh, I, I'm okay with him leaving. Um, if, uh, if that's the case too. So if, if that's what it's got to take to, for, for tour to clean house, then yeah, let's do it. But all right, enough doom and gloom there. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, let's, uh, let's go to the last fixture of the rest of the row. Goyas and Kurashiba, uh, Enric, Get the air horns, get the champagne. They did it. Kurochiba have won a game. Not only that, they've won a game away from home. Of course, you knew he's going to be on the score sheet. Aleph Manga, uh, great result for them. They finally get a get a win. It's been 13 match weeks, uh, but hey, they they get a win, and now they're only two points out of uh, 19th place, and. Um, uh, two points out of 18th place too. Actually, Vasco is on nine points as well. Uh, so hey, a couple of good results here, and they could they could be uh on the verge of getting out of relegation zone. Yeah, definitely. I think Kuriciba from the minute go they started this game and attack Kuya or attack Goyas as they were playing away from home. So they really wanted this win, and you could tell Aleph Manga. I think the goal that he scored could have possibly been offside and when the VAR was drawing the offside lines he had to be drawn in the mid halfway line so something that you're not really used to seeing in any football matches but uh, his goal definitely counted and it helped Kurochiba a lot uh, right before halftime there was another goal by Kuscevic uh, who also got in the score sheet scored the second for Kurochiba and as you expect, Goyas sleeping in the first half, and then they come into the second, of course. Yeah, we're going to try and attack and maybe find an equalizer and score. And they did so with Dodozinho in the 69th. And uh, although they kept trying and trying, I think Apo G came on. This man is always very dangerous when he plays for uh, Goyas. And he had chances to score as well. Didn't, I think Orichiba was very lucky at the dying minutes, which in Brazil, it's always either eight minutes at a time, nine, 10. So I don't know why this happens uh, so much at a time. And maybe for no reason, I was watching earlier uh, Argentinian league match. Uh, I think Newells were playing against Central Cordoba. And at the halftime, there was one minute added 
at full time, three minutes at it. So this is normal football and what we're used to seeing. And when you look at Brazilian row matches, it's always 10, 11, 15 minutes at it, which I'm not really against off, but what's the point of having 90 minutes when you're going to add another quarter hour uh, to the to the teams to play? So again, uh, if Goiás would have scored that second, Curitiba would have still been in the last position with probably five points, but they got the win here. They got the job done and great for them. They're now two points away from 19th place, America Mineiro and 18th Vasco. Yeah, for sure. And, and as we look at the table here, Enric, I mean, we've, we've mentioned a lot of these, uh, uh, these teams and, and where their placement uh, is in the table, but um, some really, you know, some great teams that are overachieving, some underachievers. Uh, we talked about the inconsistent teams and just the downright dreadful. Um, I really think that gap between 13 and 14 is huge. We saw it at the weekend, Cuiaba, um in 13th, Santos in 14th, and there's only two points between them. But you look down the table, everyone below Cuiaba are just having god-awful seasons. Um, maybe you expect that from Goyas, maybe from Corchiba even, but America was a team that was overachieving the last few years, Bahia, of course, with the new money, Corinthians, Santos, Vasco. So kind of a, um, just a really disappointing part of the table there. Uh, everyone up, um, has, uh, you know, a much different story, but, uh, maybe just kind of talk us through your thoughts on some of the teams here in the table and your overall thoughts on, on uh, where the season is headed. Well, uh, as we always say, it's nice to see Botafogo again, first in the table, which is very nice. Hopefully, again, they win the, this competition. They have zero draws, 33 points, and sitting now seven points ahead of Gremio. If Gremio would have equalized against Bahia in that in that match, uh, Botafogo would have been nine points up, but now they'll have to wait until this week to see how Gremio performs. Uh, Flamengo sitting in third, Palmeiras dropping into fourth after their draw, so I'm happy that they're there at the moment. Rebel Bragancina with 23 points uh, sitting in fifth, deserved uh, equal with points with Palmeiras, which is crazy to think about. Only three points away from second place, so maybe they can do it after their three wins in a row. Fluminense, Sao Paulo, and Internacional all uh, have 21 points. Internacional, uh, very good run from them so far. Three wins, two draws. Very cool to see. Atletico Pranense, Atletico Mineiro, and Fortaleza. Uh, all these teams have 20 points. And when you compare fourth place to 11th place, so Palmeiras and Fortaleza, there's only three points difference. So that's that explains how Brazilian football, how crazy this competition is and very competitive teams playing and fighting against each other each week. Uh, between our Santos actually sitting in 14th place, which is not very bad. I don't know what I can say. Our prediction, I think, was either 12 or 13. So they're right around there. But 13 weeks, 13 points, averaging one point per match. It's very bad. And when you look at the performances, three wins and four draws, of course, other than the teams that we have we haven't played yet, you look at the teams above us. Botafogo, we haven't played. Uh, Gremio, we lost. Flamengo, we lost. Palmeiras, we drew. Rebel, we lost. Uh, Inter, we drew. Uh, Atletico Mineiro, we drew. So all these teams, no wins yet. And then all the three wins that we've gotten are from the teams below us. Uh, one being Bahia, number two, Vasco, and number three, America. So that explains how Santos' season has been going so far. Uh, they are seven points behind of 11th place and only six points away from 20th place, Coritiba, that only has one win so far. So I don't know. Things have to change. And if they don't change, we're going to end up in the second division, which is something that will make me very angry and I don't care who else will go there. If it's Corinthians, sure. Great news. If it's Vasco, not really happy to see that. But as you said, Peter, I don't know if there's four teams 
weaker than us at the moment because if Santos continues like this, then it's going to be a very bad situation coming into the last last round of Brasile Rao. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. And and I just don't see uh, any way out of the the fact that this is going to be a, a, a relegation battling season. And uh, it's going to be really difficult to stay up and away from that that drop zone. And it's miraculous that we're not in it already. Uh, but it just goes to show you the the uh, under, other underperforming teams and, and how bunched up the league can be. Um, all right. So that's the league table. Uh, Botafogo, again, yeah, in the driver's seat. Um, let's move it on over to the Copa do Brazil, uh, Enric. Uh, you teased it at the beginning of the episode. Uh, four matches, um, all, of course, in the quarterfinals. Um, let's start with the one that uh, ended in a draw. Uh, we had the kind of the appetizer. This weekend, Bahia versus Gremio. Now here's the main course in the Copa do Brasil. Uh, Bahia won, Gremio won. Good result for Gremio. Um, they're away from home, and uh, it's almost a loss from them for them. Uh, 95th minute winner, uh, Cuyabano, uh, getting the the equalizer there. So kind of escaping by the the skin of their teeth. Yeah, just like that Brasil Rao match where Grêmio scored that last minute winner with Gustavo Martins in the 95th as well. The same scenario happens here. They get an equalizer, as you said. This probably felt like a win. And even if they lost 1-0, I think Grêmio are more than capable to score two goals at least at home in the reverse uh, leg. So at the end of the day, Bahia will go home very unhappy. They get the same result as they did against Santos in the cup match. So Grêmio is, I think, 95% close to uh, going into semifinals of this competition. Okay. And what about the next match? Uh, I saw our dear friend Mauricio Destri was in the building in the um, uh uh, the Morumbi, almost called the American Ah, um, but he was there. Um, and uh, Sao Paulo getting the win, his dear Tricolor getting the win, uh, one nil over Palmeiras. And Eric, didn't we? I think we might have shit on this guy a couple of weeks ago. Hafinha getting the goal. I think he scored an own goal recently that we were poking fun at. Uh, but uh, getting the goal here and they win against Palmeiras. Of course they are hosting, but Sao Paulo getting the win here. Yeah, it's a very great result for Sao Paulo. I did not think that they are capable of beating Palmeiras at home. Maybe a 0-0 would have been good for them, but a win is even better. And Rafinha to score that, it's very funny in a way and great news for Sao Paulo fans. I think the the shot that he took got deflected by a Palmeiras uh, defender. And it went in. Weverton couldn't do anything about it. I think it hit the post and then went into the net. So crazy goal there. And uh, what you said about Mauricio is also funny. Of course, it was nice to see him in the stadium uh, all over social media. But uh, he went back to that tweet that I tweeted a couple of weeks ago about his own goal. And now, and then he said, now he got the first goal for Sao Paulo. <laughs> so I think uh, he's only scored three goals in the comp- in a competition in 2005 when he played for Coritiba so now he has the opportunity if we could if we count that own goal as a goal now he has two needs one more to equalize that so it will be fun scenes and maybe he can do it in the reverse leg against Palmeiras hopefully he can but yeah I'm very happy that Palmeiras lost here and I would like to see Sao Paulo proceed into the next stage Yep, yeah, it would be good. Only issue there is then Palmeiras are more than able, or they'll, they'll be able to kind of concentrate on the breast of their row, um, and they'll be a harder out than they already are in the Betadores. So um, we'll follow that story for sure. Uh, America Monero, how about this? You're just talking about how bad they are <laughs> and how bad Corinthians are too. So that's appropriate. America Monero hosting and beating. Corinthians here. Uh, once again, the home team does get the win, just the one nil win. But man, this is a surprising result. I thought, you know, in the battle of the um, 
two bottom feeders this year in the rest of the route table. I thought Corinthians might at least get a draw, maybe get a win here against America that that doesn't offer a lot. Let's be honest here. Of course, Corinthians don't either, but definitely have a better quality player. Uh, but nope, America getting the win one nil. Uh, very good result, I'd say for them. Um, Enric, thoughts on the game, and, and do you think they have any chance in progressing? Uh, I thought in, in this match, maybe Corinthians wouldn't be able to win, but a 1-1 was probably a favorable prediction for this game. And when America scored, they, Corinthians had 60 minutes to play and equalize. And the way how they played was just unbelievable. They were just passing the ball uh, around the defense, going back to Casio. So there was no sort of desire to even equalize. I don't know why that was. I thought Corinthians would have taken maybe a revenge, if I can say, after the 2-0 loss in the Brasilia Rao against America a couple weeks ago. But it was not the case. And still, uh, despite the loss, something that Corinthians has proven to me throughout this competition is that they can lose up to two goals in the first leg away from home and then reverse that in the second game in their home stadium, go to penalties and win, as they did against Remo and then Atletico Mineiro. So I wouldn't be... Uh, surprised if they kick America out of this competition in the second leg and even scored three, four goals in that match. Yeah, that'd be that'd be crazy to see. Um and and very entertaining. Um speaking of entertaining, two of the most exciting teams in the division, of course, Flamengo and Athletico Paranaense uh clashing here. Um Flamengo Getting the win, the come from behind win, um, might have been a little bit of a frustrating game. They dominated possession, um, and they gave up a really early goal. Uh, but in the end, they do prevail, and uh, they're looking good. They're picking up steam, and uh, our our dear friend Owen, I'm sure, will be very happy. Um, I believe uh, this was uh, Luis uh, Arija. God, I, I don't know why I'm messing that name up. Um, Arujo's first match for them. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a good win. Come from behind. Uh, Vitor Roque, of course, contributing an assist as well. So uh, even in a loss, he's contributing. Uh, but uh, great to see, Enric. I know you're going to love this. Bruno Henrique back on the score sheet. Yeah, once again, the former Santos player scores and again, coming back from a 1-0 defeat, uh, I think Flamengo performed really good in that second half. Pedro got the equalizer with a penalty kick, well taken penalty by him and I like his hairstyle right now. It reminds me of uh, Pedro of last season in the Copa Libertadores with the blonde hair and everything about it. So Bruno and Pedro scored two goals. Arascaeta once again assisting to Bruno Enrique. So cool to see the Flamengo win in this match. But it doesn't really make me think that they have an easy way of advancing because they're going to go and play in Atletico Stadium and they're only one goal up so far. So any win by Atletico Paranaense means that they either lose this competition or go to penalty kicks. So they'll have a tough task to pass in the next day in the second leg. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I think they're in a good position to do so. And I think uh, all in all, I think they're the better team um, and they definitely showed it there. Um, all right. We've got the return legs coming up next week. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk about um, the other fixtures coming up here, but Let's uh, zero in on the Brest of the Rao week 14 fixtures. Um, they should be happening, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out uh, later today. Um, and we've got some good matches. Um, some some teams that are higher up the table and some underperforming teams both clashing against each other. But, Enric, I think there are two matches that really stick out to me, at least. Um, curious to hear your thoughts. Of course, Palmeiras and Flamengo. Um, are the probably the two most successful teams in Brazil for the last maybe five years. They clash on Saturday. Um, it's going to be a great game, two of the strongest sides, um, and two sides that are really desperate for points on the top of the table here, Flamengo and Palmeiras, both kind of slipping a little bit. 
Um, Flamengo didn't have the start they wanted. Palmeiras aren't in the best of form right now. Uh, they'll be desperate for those three points. Palmeiras hosting. Um, and the other the other big fixture for me, Gremio hosting Botafogo. That's two versus one. Uh, Botafogo, Arnie uh, fended off the Palmeiras attack. Um, and and uh, already just uh, the other just the other week, right? Two weeks ago. Um, now they're back again with uh, uh, fighting off another second place challenger, Gremio. Um, that'll be a great game. And then once again, they're away from home. Uh, Suarez versus Chiquinho. Uh, that's going to be a great match. Uh, any other matches that uh, are uh, really intriguing you this match week? Well, Atletico Mineiro against Corinthians. This definitely has to be a big game. Of course, these two teams played in the Copa Brazil last round. So they're going to seek revenge against each other, if I can say. Cool to see, uh, as you said, Palmeiras and Flamengo, uh, a very great rivalry. And the same goes for Grêmio and Botafogo, the top two teams in the Brazil at the moment. Fluminense Internacional, this is another big game. Uh, Vasco against Cruzeiro, the 2022 Serie B teams that got promoted. I expect Cruzeiro to either win or draw this game. And Santos uh, playing against Goyas. Uh, this you said that even the Cuiabá match is easy, and this could be easy. And the only reason why this could be easy is because we're playing at home. But still, I think Goyas should not be neglected. And if Santos don't win here, then I can definitely see a one-one full-time prediction for this match. So yeah, that's the games that will happen in this upcoming week. And great news for Brasileiros. Fans around the world, uh, they have the opportunity to watch all these big games as we normally do each each week. So, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, for sure. And we already went over the Copa de Brazil. Uh, two last things before we let everyone go about their day and hopefully enjoy some Brazilian football. Um, Copa Sudamericana we covered in our last episode. Um, if you're listening to this, it should be already out where we wrapped up the group stages for Libertadores and Sudamericana. Um, two Brazilian, or excuse me, three Brazilian sides in the playoffs. Uh, Corinthians versus Universitario of uh, Peru, Colo Colo versus America Monero, um, and Botafogo versus Patronato. Uh, we all talked about that already um, in uh, the previous episode, so go listen to that. Um, those are all this week, midweek, um, and America's fixture actually is uh, is uh, postponing their Copa do Brasil fixture. Um, so that'll actually be at the weekend, uh, not this coming week, but Enric, uh, big news. Um, we had the, the big draw for the Libertadores, some great fixtures here in the round of 16. Uh, I'll just run through them really quickly and then I'll, I'd love to get your thoughts. So, uh, Atletico Nacional, uh, from Colombia playing Racing Nacional from Montevideo, Uruguay from playing Boca Juniors. Uh, Atletico Monero playing Palmeiras. I alluded to that picture already. Uh, Deportivo Pereira from Colombia playing Independiente de Valle. Uh, Bolivar playing Atletico Paranaense. So maybe this is a good opportunity to uh, to invite our buddy uh, Bolivar News on um, and, and talk about this clash. Uh, River Plate up against Internacional. Um, Flamengo versus uh, Olympia from Paraguay. And then we've got Argentino Juniors facing off against Fluminense. So those are the fixtures. Enric, uh, love to get your quick thoughts on these. Yeah, these are a great uh, round of games. Of course, we have the Brazilian teams, Atletico Mineiro and Palmeiras, playing against each other. I would have liked one of those teams to be on another match, just so that each Brazilian team has the opportunity to go to quarterfinals. But one of them definitely has to lose. And if Palmeiras are able to pass the Galos in this match, then Palmeiras are more than highly capable of reaching the final because one thing, Boca Juniors is nowhere near where there used to be uh, compared to previous seasons. Racing, yeah, they're a good team, but they've proven against Flamengo that they won't, they won't win big matches. So yeah, it's not going to be easy or difficult for Palmeiras to do that. Yeah. And Rossing also, by the way, Paulo Guerrero is leaving the team. I believe he's played his last match as I speak. 
and their their star Matias Rojas, of course, has joined Corinthians. Um, so they're going to be shorthanded as well. So Palmeiras, whoever the you know the Brazilian team that's coming out of that fixture, um, could have a very nice walk to the final. Um, and now that we've said that, I'm sure they'll get bounced by you know Deportivo Pereira or something. But uh, yeah, kind of a, a definitely the easier side of the table over there um, with just the the two Brazilian sides in it. Yeah, and if there's a team that maybe can stop Palmeiras, could be the quarterfinals because Independiente del Valle could proceed to the next stage. And based on how they have performed against Sao Paulo and the Sudamericana and Flamengo in the Recopa, hopefully they can do the same against Palmeiras if Palmeiras win against Galos. So yeah, I would say easy run from them. And all the other on the other side, as you said, Bolivar playing against Atletico Bernanza. I think Atletico will win this game. River played Internacional. I would like Inter to win, but I think River is passing in this match. And then we have the big quarterfinals, if I could predict, the Fla-Flu Derby. And this will this will also be cool. Uh, we've seen these teams play in the Brasilia Rao, in the Carioca, in the Copa do Brazil, and now they do it once again, hopefully in the Copa Libertadores, if both of them beat their respective opponents. So yeah, it's going to be a great competition, and I really can't wait, man. This is like the fun times, and going back to last year, this is when we actually started the podcast around August, around the quarterfinals, semifinals, so really incredible all these matches yeah absolutely so lots to look forward to these uh round of 16 i believe kicks off august 1st definitely that first week of august uh so uh keep your eyes peeled for that um and it's gonna be great yeah we're getting to the the uh the really exciting stuff um in these continental competitions uh which is you know one of the most exciting parts of uh, of south american football so um, with that, let's wrap it up. We will be back uh, next week talking all things Brazilian football. But uh, until that moment, everyone have a great night and uh, enjoy another weekend of, uh, of glorious South American and Brazilian football. Yeah.